It is 11.04 and time for the Dr. Payne Show. Four one, uh, pardon me, one eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. That's for you, See? but for here, for right now. It's uh, 870-6400-640 on sale. You got problems, issues, pain problems, got to health questions. How, how do you memorize all the numbers? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Like I'd this be... show, other shows? Well, we'll start with this. I've been doing it for 19 years. So. Okay. There you go. That's, that's probably... <laughs> you repeat that number a whole bunch of times. I, the old way, I remember yeah. when I was young, you used to memorize a number. Now I, I don't even think I know my wife's cell number actually off by heart. Oh, jeez. That's not good. No. Yeah? No. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. How was your week? How was your day? What's happening? Good, good. You think there's going to be any slip and falls today? Oh, no, <laughs> just a few. <laughs> well, it's crazy. Some crazy weather, car accidents, things like that. So, I mean, if you're on the road, obviously be extremely cautious because yep. you um, want to avoid that because, I mean, the impact of those injuries going forward um, can often be pretty devastating. Uh, uh, it's incredible. I, I actually, it was interesting. I had someone that gave me a call a, a few weeks ago had said, Hey, I was in an accident back in October. Okay. So like fairly recent. Yeah. But, but still time has passed. Um, and he said to me, he said, you know, at the time I was totally fine. Like I, I didn't really feel much. It seemed like everything was fine. He's like, but I have to be honest, in the last little bit, in the last few months since then, like more in the new year in 2018, I started to develop some neck pain, back pain. Mm -hmm. Is that common and is that related to the accident? Um, and I said, well, it's not, I mean, it's it's always very, very hard to say what you develop as a result of that because right. so many things could have happened in between October and, and the day that he started feeling whatever pain. But I mean, it is not uncommon for me to meet people who say originally after their accident, they were whatever type of accident that may be, they were overall fine, maybe some mild aches and pains. Uh, but then over time, it's progressed. And and I mean, it makes very, very good sense when you think about, I mean, even in a low impact, once you start doing the math on the velocity, the acceleration, all the things um, and the weight of these cars, even something that's low impact has a dramatic effect on our tissue like we're not we're not designed to be thrown around in a car at 80 kilometers an hour like there is going to be an effect on the body for sure and so yeah it is very very common which is why i always i always tell people like and i guess as more of a you know public service announcement if you are involved in a car accident even if you don't feel anything go get checked out yeah, yeah like go get checked out because you never know what could be there someone may be able to pick something up before it becomes a big problem i mean We've gone through this a million times. Obviously, the sooner you catch something, um, the more likely you are to treat it and the yeah. more likely it is to get better. So I, I think it's really, really important that, you know, hopefully you, there's no accidents, nothing happens. But if you do and hopefully they're nothing major and it just seems like a little fender bender or you overall seem fine, but you're more worried about your car or whatever, you know, worry about yourself. It, it is it, it's very, very important that you get checked out. Um, and get things analyzed properly. I mean, in serious cases, sometimes people have brain hemorrhaging that they're not even aware of yeah. until it's no too pain. Late. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, yeah, it, or it doesn't develop quick enough, and then right. all of a sudden, boom, it starts to develop quickly, and now you're talking, you know, minutes is potentially life threatening. So, I, I absolutely think it is best to get checked out. And, and here's the thing: if if it seems like it's nothing major, that doesn't mean you have to be going to uh, uh, an emergency room and waiting six hours. You can try walk-in clinics, urgent care clinics, yeah. um, chiropractors, physiotherapists, other people that are well-equipped to assess for those types of things because a lot of those more serious things can be picked up on clinical exam. It's not all specialized imaging. It is very much signs, symptoms, and what the physical exam shows. So be careful, obviously, if you're you're driving today and uh, hopefully nothing happens. Uh, 
um, yeah, and, and obviously be careful. But, you know, let's talk about some other stuff that we haven't talked in a while. For uh, I've seen quite a few patients this week, um, well, not just this week, in the last few weeks, actually, with spinal stenosis. And it's something that we used to talk a lot about, but in the last few weeks, I guess we've uh, we've toned it down. But it is incredible how many people have spinal stenosis, and more so than having the spinal stenosis, they're not really told. They're just kind of told, yeah, you have arthritis in your back, and that's why you have the problems that you have. But they're never explained the the anatomy, the physiology of what exactly is yeah, happening. Define it. Uh, because if you don't explain that to a person, they don't get better. And we've we've gone through this where certain motions with stenosis, stenosis are actually relieving motions, like the flexion-based uh, exercises. And it's incredible how many people come to me. They know their diagnosis of stenosis, but they're doing all the wrong things mm. for it. And it's like no one's ever... They, they basically sit there saying like, no one has ever walked me through this. No one's ever ever told me that, you know, explain the anatomy. I, I usually wouldn't... You know, we'll spend about 20 minutes after I'm done with somebody just talking with them, fully explaining everything, making sure that they understand it using whether it's computer programs to explain a certain pathology or, um, you know, models that I have in the clinic. But I always do my very best. I think that that is probably one of the more important things that I do out of everything is really, really explaining everything to to a patient because once you can understand it, and, and it, this doesn't just go for stenosis, there's a lot of things out there that just in understanding, you can manage yourself better. And, and you know, I've been seeing obviously a lot of knee cases with the knee clinic yeah. that we have. And it's the same thing. A lot of the times it's, it's nothing groundbreaking to them. It's not like I'm telling them anything in terms of, you know, changing their diagnosis. A lot of the times it's just a confirmation like, yeah, here it is, but here's also what you could be doing. Um, and I really try to make my recommendations based on all the things that the person could be doing. I, I think some of the problem with some places is, you know, I've said this before, if you've got a hammer, everything's a nail. And there's some places out there where they have maybe a certain, either they're just one certain professional, right? Or they have one certain modality that they use. And then that's the cure for everything. Right. That That is the absolute way that you manage everything out there. Um, and, you know, the reality is with me, even the tools that I don't have at my disposal, which we, we tend to have the, the vast majority of the tools for these types of things within our clinics and the provider network. But um, even the things we don't have at our disposal, that doesn't mean we don't make that recommendation. Right. Right. Like it's, it's very, very important to me that the recommendations are not based on what is more financial gain for us, but what's really best for the patient. Um, and, you know, sometimes patients opt out for things that they don't want to do. Right. They accept things like I I've had people that I've seen, especially with this knee clinic where you see and they've got such severe osteoarthritis, for example, that you're sitting there thinking like, I don't think you have very many options except a knee replacement. Yeah. Um, and they say, well, I don't, I don't want to do surgery. And you know, that is a person. You get the final choice. call. Yeah. So, you know, it's very important. You get the final call on what you do with your health. Um, and you know, the doctors were here to, to guide you through the way, but it is your final call. And your call right now, if you have issues, questions, you've always wondered something about your physical well-being, your health, 416-870-6400-640. On your cell, just getting warmed up, Dr. Painchill, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 11.14 on a rainy Saturday. Yeah, if you can get up and stand up, you're uh, you're doing okay. If you can't, you might want to call, 416-870-6400-640 on cell. And uh, we'll continue where we were. Yeah, we got some yeah. uh, some tricky stuff coming through. You know, it's funny you mentioned about car accidents, people just slowing down out there. I saw a, a video once on YouTube, and what they had done is they'd taken a, a still camera, a, 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 like a video camera, and a cross-section of traffic flying by on the highway, just like you'd see. Mm -hmm. And then through CGI, 
they took the cars out of the picture. So picture Wonder Woman in the see-through plane, right? So all these people yep. in seating position with no cars. It was all right, CGI, right. Though, just bodies flying down the highway. Oh, yeah, it's... Holy crap, is that scary? That yeah. is fast. Even at 60K, it's, yeah. it, it's incredible. Like yeah. You can imagine a body flying and, and into if, a windshield, right? Think about the laws of physics, right. like Newton's third law, like a, a body in, mo- in, in motion wants to stay in that motion. So whether you're stopped, you want to stay stopped. But yep. if you're going that speed, you want to continue going that speed, which is why whiplash happens, right? Because sure. your body is being slowed down by the seatbelt, but your neck is still going forward, yep. right? And then there's a whip back and forth. So, um, I mean... the, the when you look at what actually happens to the tissue, and I mean, I'm sure there's tons of people listening right now that have been in car accidents and have never been the same since. Like, I've seen it clinically for sure. Um, I've been involved in a car accident when I was younger, and it still has has an effect on my body to this day. Um, compounded with everything. I mean, it's always very hard to say because, I mean, we, we do break down as we get older. Sure. So so to some extent, like, some things are going to be normal but yeah that's that's really interesting when you th- when you take the car out of the component oh, wow. and you just imagine the people traveling down that highway at you know 120 kilometers that's and hitting something yeah that's crazy <laughs> that's very very crazy but yeah again be careful out there um some other interesting stuff you know things that we've talked a lot about is um um the shoulder and we've talked about when people have tears on imaging um and it was interesting, you know, I had a patient, it, it, the classic example, someone came in and said, hey, I've been diagnosed with uh, um, with a torn uh, rotator cuff muscle, supraspinatus. Yep. Um, I got therapy, not getting better. I went back. They want to do this. They want to do this surgery. They want to do all this stuff. And I was like, well, you know, let's slow down first. Let's, let's make sure. How do you know, first of all, what kind of tear is this? Um, and it ended up being... You know, there are tears that are extremely significant. Obviously, if a, if a tendon fully tears, that is significant. Yes. We can all appreciate that. But there's also a normal amount of fraying uh, or tearing that happens uh, just due to degeneration. Yeah, Reduce. exactly. And that's common everywhere. And that's what this person had on imaging. And again, just because it, it the, the radiologist report is... It is their job to comment on everything. That doesn't mean it's the diagnosis. And a lot of the times, the the doctors that are ordering these images get it back, and they go they go back to the patient and they say, "Yeah, here you go. It's uh, it's due to this tear." But you know what I always try to educate on first and foremost, even when I have people that bring me X-rays of their low back and are told it's arthritis. What becomes very very important is. Is what we're seeing on imaging the reason that you have pain? We have right. to correlate those two things. You cannot do those two things in isolation. I can't just look at an image um, and give you a diagnosis. And and sometimes I shouldn't just look at your physical symptoms and give you a diagnosis, which is exactly the reason why radiologists don't make diagnoses, right? There are some things that are radiographic or imaging diagnoses, but in general, it has to be they pass correlated along. with the patient's yeah. symptom. Um, and oftentimes it'll say that, correlate with the patient's symptom. Uh, it's also the reason why the radiologist is given a bit of a history in the beginning, right? We're like the doctors, when we fill out a, a report, will give some type of history. So they kind of know what they're looking for, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a million things on there. Um, but this was a classic example of a person who was told it was a tear, was having you know certain therapies to quote-unquote fix this tear, and it wasn't helping. And sure enough, we were able to find in something I've talked about a lot with uh scapular positioning and the positioning of the shoulder on the rib cage and how that affects the function of those muscles. And sure enough, when I had this person and I was able to get them in a good posture or change the position of their scapula, all their symptoms were gone. How about that? All gone. And all I had to do then was show this person the exercises that they then needed to do 
in order to sustain that type of posture or or, or that type of positioning, which hmm. isn't going to happen overnight. But what I tried to explain to this person, they had gone to therapy for about three or four months at two or three times uh, a week, and they didn't have any coverage, right? It doesn't matter whether you really have coverage or don't. It's still money from someone's pocket. But this person specifically did not even have coverage. So do the math on that. Thousands and thousands of yeah. dollars for what? Something that this person could have been shown the exercises that they should be doing at home. Because if you don't do that stuff multiple times a day, every single day, you got to be disciplined, right? It's not going to work. And, yeah. you know, he was so grateful. He was like, you know, thank you so much. Nobody ever showed me this. Uh, and I followed up with him. This, this, I saw this person, I think it was two and a half weeks ago. I followed up with a phone call, which I'll often do, uh, just to ask how the symptoms were doing. And sure enough, even after just a week, of doing this exercise, he had already reported that wow. 20% improvement, which again, that doesn't seem like a lot when we're just talking, but it's huge when you've been at a plateau um, and it's only been a week. So imagine what happens as you do more and more. 20% is good. Take 20% of your pay. See how much, how, how little that number <laughs> yeah. would be, right? Yeah, exactly. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dave, welcome to the show, pal. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Good. What's going on with you? Uh, listen, on February, on February 3rd, I, I, work, I work for a company and uh, <clears throat> On February 3rd, we had a winter storm, and uh, where we back our trucks up to unload our trucks, uh, which I drive a van uh, for installation. And uh, what happened is I slipped off my truck, which they never plowed or snowed, and I slipped on ice and fell on my back in front of my employers. And uh, I hurt myself. They told me to take the day off. I felt all right. It was on a Friday. Come Sunday, I couldn't feel my chest. Um, My fingers were numb. My legs were numb. Uh, I went to the hospital on Monday. They rushed me down to Toronto Western for emergency surgery. I had ACDF surgery on my back, all on my spine. And uh, my employers kind of left me in the dust. Within three days after uh, I told them I was on WSIP, they came and stripped me from my work truck, my my phone, and my gas cards. You know, like they just left me in the dust. They never even called me to ask me how I was doing. Uh, I've been off since then, but WSIB has been pressuring me to go back to work. Uh, my doctor that did the surgery said that uh, it's at least a year for recovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, since my surgery, I still can't feel my, my legs. My inner thighs are still numb. My toes are still numb. What, what type band, of surgery did they do, uh, Dave? AC, ACDF. Okay, so were they part where they cut a, a bit of the disc at the front of the of the cervical spine? Yeah. It, yeah. So they, you know, it's kind of scary because they cut through your throat. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way to get to. Uh, uh, to the, the, to the neck, part, yeah, yeah. yeah, you got to go through the neck, uh, through the throat, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so, so what's the question, Dave? The question is, so what can I do? Like, I mean, my my employer is still impressing me to come back to work. What does your doctor uh, say? Well, my doctor says I'll see you in September. Yeah, well, then your doctor's got yeah. your doctor has yeah. has has trump card on that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not a lawyer, so I don't comment on these things. All I can tell you is from a from a medical perspective, you should be following the doctor's advice on, uh, and it's there and it's they're going to be their call on how how you get back to work. Dave, just yeah. stay on the line for a sec. Stay on the line. We'll talk to you in a moment, and uh, we'll continue from there. Your phone calls as well, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Bring them on. Want to talk to you right till 12 o'clock here. The Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1124, Dr. Payne Show. Lots of time still for you to call in, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Yeah, Dave, so uh, as far as that, you're still uh, in a lot of pain, still having physical problems with it after the surgery. Yeah, I can't look up. I look can't look yeah. down. My legs are constantly numb. Uh, I mean, I'm just wondering, like if they if the if they would have plowed and shoveled their uh, walk and 
I wouldn't have had this result of falling, right? Quite, well, quite I, I, possible. Again, and that, that's yeah. not stuff yeah. that I'm going to comment on, right. Dave. That's like that's yeah. you know that that's like anything, right? If 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 is a big word, and uh, yeah. you know, yeah. again, I, if you have a question with regards to the medical stuff, I'm happy to answer that. Otherwise, in terms of the legality behind of all this, uh, no. I think Savannah is obviously uh, a good person to call. John does the. Uh, the personal injury show with him. Uh, yeah. I think he'd be a very good person for you to speak to him or someone in his team anyways um, about what your rights are. Uh, the good thing is they they also have the employment side uh, as well, so it works hand in hand. But I, I would definitely say you should probably, from a legal side, be speaking with them. From a, for, I mean, that's a pretty serious surgery that you had. So yeah. uh, what what did the doctor say was your prognosis in terms of like what should you expect in terms of time and how much recovery etc he says sometimes some people take six seven months to get feelings back in their legs the right. circulation uh some people take a year you know i want to go back to work but i don't want to go back to work and be more injured mm -hmm. for what i've done to myself right well one thing that i could tell you for sure is you should not go back to work until you've been cleared right like yeah. the, the the doctors that are taking care of you need to clear you uh, in order to do that or put you on certain restricted modified duties that you you'll have to return to work gradually see we're really good in the world like when it comes to high-end sports like there's good protocols on how you return someone to sport if they True. if yeah. they were hurt in uh like they had a concussion or a certain type of injury the return to play is the rules the algorithms around it are incredible somehow people think that like Work is just urban athletics. Like you're just an urban athlete, right? There should be a way that someone gets returned sure, to, to yeah. work properly. You you shouldn't just no one has ever should never be reintroduced like, oh, you were hurt, here's your old job, go do it again. It's like, well, no, like I got hurt for a reason, especially if it was at work. What do we do to you know accommodate. prevent me from getting hurt again, number one? Uh prevent me from making this worse, and how do we accommodate so that I can do what I need to do? So um, gradual return to work is a very, very important thing. And so I, I think it's good that you want to go back to work, Dave. I think that there, that's very favorable. One of the things that I see like on the medical legal side of things is people are often looking for a reason to not go back to work. Um, yeah. And it's very encouraging speaking to someone who wants to go back to work because that that's obviously more ideal in every scenario. Uh, but I think, you know, there needs to be a limit between not wanting to go back at all and wanting to go back full fledged. So you need to to gauge your yourself and make sure that you're you're being returned to work um, appropriately, so that it doesn't risk you with where you're at now or hinder your prognosis or even worse, uh, make things worse. Yeah. Well, so my doctors passed me on to the WSIB doctors. You no. Know? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I would. That's kind of their job. They think at that some point, I think they have to. But the WSIB doctors, that doesn't mean. Uh, you know that they're they're gonna do something to you that is not right. They're still they're still healthcare professionals before anything. Like here's the thing: whether you work on one side or the other as a doctor, like if you're even in car accidents, whether you're working as the doctor for the insurer or the doctor for the lawyer or whatever. I mean, what trumps anything first is that you have a code of ethics, or that should be what trumps right. everything first. The whether that happens in practice all the time, but um, you know they're they're bound by their college regulation, which is that we need to we need to look out for the patient not not who's paying uh the bill. Yeah, so the WSIB doctor said well, we're trying to get you get back to work soon and then he got the he got the uh the notes back from my surgical doctor and it said return to work not anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. then from then on it was like nobody's told me when I can go back. 
Well, have you no. called your case manager to have a discussion? Maybe that, you know, that might be a step. Maybe they haven't called you to go back because they're taking that advice from the surgeon and saying, well, we're not going to send him back yet. Yep. Well, WSAB, my account, the guy that's dealing with it told me, he called me the other day and he said, you know what? I got the letter from your surgical doctor. is not to return to work anytime soon. So I'm not even going to bother you. So I'm like, okay, well, uh, he goes, I said, well, my return to work is actually May 6th or May 5th after 13 weeks of being off. And he, the WSCB said, we're having, you haven't even started physio yet. So, you know, I don't know where to go from there. And like, nobody gives you a straight answer in the medical field. Yeah, well, I I don't know if this answer is in the medical field as much as it is the legal field, yeah. right? Like the things you're talking about. I think yeah. the medi- I think this the doctor was very clear. Don't return to work anytime soon. That's right? your treating doctor, yeah, right? That's your treating doctor, I, and you have to be doing physio and things like that. So I think the rest of it, like you know, like I started by saying, I think this is more of a legal issue, uh, and maybe giving Savannah and his team a call is 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 a good idea. Okay, that's okay. awesome. We'll get you that number as well after the show, Dave. Appreciate your call. There you go. It's a complex thing, right? Very, Very complex, complex thing. Yeah. The physical, too. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have uh, questions, physical problems, complaints, pain, bring them on. Want to hear your stories. Want to possibly get you some solutions here over the next half hour on the Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 11.32, Dr. Payne Show. Phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have pain, you have physical issues. That's what we talk about on the show every week. Everything from necks and backs to knees to PRP to all that good stuff that Everything. you guys are doing, right? I actually, I have a great email mm-hmm. here that that is really going to highlight the advantage of the knee clinic that okay. we're doing. So we got, I, I won't say the name just in case they don't want to be identified, but uh, the person says, I'm 59-year-old, retired and active, playing tennis, golf, hiking, and biking. I hurt my hamstring last November and was doing physio. Around Christmas this uh, around Christmas time the hamstring was healing, but my knee started getting worse. I'm not sure if the injuries were related. I continued physio on both hamstrings and knee, but by the end of January I was suggested to have an MRI on my knee. I had an MRI on April 2nd and the results are two tears in my meniscus and I was referred for um for surgery. Still waiting for a consultation with a surgeon. My goal of course is to get proper treatment in a timely fashion. I live in Collingwood, Ontario. Government website suggests surgery wait times 200 days plus. Oh. This is exactly why if you have a knee injury, and, and not just to focus on knee injuries, but th- we're working with a number of surgeons. If you've got a knee injury, and, and, and this person that sent me this email, I will get back to you if you're listening. Um, you need to contact us because if you're a surgical candidate... I'm going to send you to see a surgeon immediately, and you, I'm not. I'm not going to promise that you're going to have surgery tomorrow, or, or uh, you know, in a in a week necessarily. But you're not going to wait 200 days. Right. That's 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 three quarters of the year. That that's crazy. If someone yeah. needs something and you're waiting that long, and this is just simple scope surgery that this person is waiting for. This isn't even something like a knee replacement or anything like that. So this this really really highlights the point of why you should be calling us if you've got a knee injury. Uh, because if it is surgical, we can, we can, ex- you know, this person, this is a good person that had they called initially back in November, they may have already gotten what they needed. Right. Now, I'm not saying that the physio that they did wasn't good, but they could have been doing both things at the same time. Yeah. And now we're all of a sudden in what April and they're being told another 200 days. Well, that's almost, that's more than a year from their original injury. What do you think? Like, I mean, I'll ask this question to everybody, and I don't think you have to be a doctor, but what do you think that does to prognosis if you wait that long? Like, I think it makes very good sense outside of being a healthcare professional that 
if you deal with something sooner, it's likely going to have a better outcome than if you deal with something later, right? I, I think that is, I mean, it's easy for me to understand, I think, and I think it would be for, for anybody. So, um, you know, give us a call if you've got these issues. You let your brakes squeak for the entire time you drive your car, get them fixed before you can't yeah, stop. Yeah, right? like, uh, yeah, and then you can't be surprised if something happens, exactly. you know what I mean? Now, I don't think this person did anything wrong, and I'm not suggesting that, um, that this is the fault of the people. This is also the fault. Some, it's it's the onus is on everybody, right? Even our healthcare system, yep. to some extent, in this regard, is somewhat broken, right? When we're having to wait this amount of time for simple procedures, that's it's kind of crazy. We'll get to a phone call four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell, and uh, Doctor Pancho continues. Got uh, Kevin on the line. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Good, pal. What's uh, what's going on with you? Um, so my wife struggles a lot with, um, well, being tired, and she's looked up the symptoms of uh, low thyroid, and she has pretty much every symptom that's on there. She's taken her temperature, and it's been a couple degrees colder than we're supposed to be, and she's got all these symptoms. She's gone to her doctor. They sent her for blood work, and she said, well, the blood work says you're fine, so you're fine, Um, and she won't refer her to a specialist, um, but... Is there anything else that we can do to try and determine what's causing all of these symptoms? Well, or... yeah, I mean, I mean, if they, if she, if her thyroid's been tested and it's normal, then it's normal. I don't like referring her to some type of specialist for that. Uh, there already, like, there would only be a referral if there was something that was found. Now, you know, her her signs and symptoms are very important. I think what is maybe. Uh, a bit of a downfall is when people look up their own signs and symptoms and start to self-diagnose and think that that is absolutely the reason for their symptoms, such as you guys are doing. I think what needs to be done is you need to present those symptoms in a non-biased fashion to someone who's you know a prudent healthcare professional, and they start to picture it, put it together, and, and determine what that could be. Like, of course, being tired and things like that might be due to a thyroid issue, but it might also be due to different issues. So, if they've run all the the the, the blood work and all the testing that would help to rule in and rule out things that would assess those signs and symptoms, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe it's just mental stress, fatigue. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and those are diagnoses of exclusion. You don't just you see somebody and, and they say those symptoms and you say, ah, oh, you're just stressed. Obviously, you run the test, but you're likely not being referred to a specialist because there's no need to be referred to a specialist right now. So um, is, is there a chance that the normal levels aren't normal for her or is that not a like, you know, so like my heart rate is normal. But for me, I usually run a really low heart rate. Yeah. So if I'm running what would be considered normal for my age, I'm probably, I actually have a high. Yeah. So, rate. so I mean, it, it's an interesting way to look at it for sure, but everything that we have is falls within ranges. So we don't like, nobody is sitting out there saying, you know, 70 beats a minute is a normal heart rate. People, we will take into consideration, like, you know, somewhere between 50 and 90 is normal depending on a certain Range. person. And then, you know, once this person has, uh, a little bit of this, we might expect a little bit higher. And blood work works the same way. There, there's ranges that are given depending on whether you're male, female, your height, your weight, those things. Now, that's not necessarily for the thyroid, uh, but overall, all those things are based on a range. It's not a static number. It falls within a range. But, you know, could it be that somehow it's not normal, even if it falls within normal? I I don't know. I'm hesitant to say yes on that one. I think more than likely, if it's normal, it's normal. I think it's it's probably due to something else if, if it's normal. Uh, and so it's a matter of... If our doctor's not willing to sort of look at it further, is there anything else we can do to try and have someone try to determine what's 
going on with her. Well, yeah, I guess the question becomes what has the doctor considered is the result of these symptoms uh, or, or potentially the result and what have they tested for? Because likely they would have tested for multiple things. I don't think it was just one thing. Um, and then after that, what have they said they, they believe the reason is? Okay, so just keep going back to her and... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to get a second opinion. I mean, I, give me a call when we're off the show. I maybe can connect you with somebody um, to just have an opinion on that. But, you know, in general, I, again, I think it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous thing to, to be so confident that you have something, even though you've been told by a healthcare professional that you don't have it. That's, that borders on to, like, the health anxiety stuff, right? So um, I think you have to sometimes put faith in people and – I don't think getting a second opinion is a bad idea, but if, if the levels, I mean, some things are just, they're there, right? And and maybe getting blood work again, sometimes things can be normal um, and it's in a prodromal stage and then all of a sudden it falls out of the normal range. So maybe, yeah, I think your best course of action is is have your wife follow up with the family doctor and just say, hey, these symptoms are still here. What else could this be? And then just kind of go from there. Appreciate that call, Kevin. More of your calls as well. We got open lines right till 12 o'clock this afternoon. The Dr. Payne Show, 416 870 6400, star 640 on your cell, right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1142, Dr. Payne Show. Yeah, that is the number, 416 870 6400, star 640 on cell. You want to ask some questions, get some answers, possibly get on the right road or a referral, at least start somewhere. This is the uh, the time to call between now and 12 o'clock and uh, Dr. Payne taking your call. You know, that's that last call with Kevin, and it's, he's not the first one to do, nor will he be the last, and that is referring to, uh, you know, Google Med School. And, you know, everything from a broken back, right, to a nosebleed, to a fat lip, somewhere on Google it's going to mention cancer. Like, they just, they, you got to yeah. be, you got to watch it when you look at that stuff, you know, right? You know, I think it's interesting because it's, it's like, the, it's the fine line where, you know, pe- sometimes people are afraid of progression, right? I right. do think to some extent having that is good, right? Because you can now also kind of make sense of what your doctor is telling you, mm-hmm. right? Like, is someone like really ignoring your true symptoms and, you, and and there's red flags that you're noticing? So I think it's it's good, but it's like anything. It's how do you find the perfect balance yeah. between having exposure to the knowledge but not believing that you can self-diagnose yourself. And and it's it's kind of like if you're that person, you just have to find that in between. But, you know, and, and not that Kevin and his wife were an example of it because I don't think they were, but I've seen people that have come to me and, and have said things like, you know, I have this. And it's like, okay, well, how were you diagnosed with that? Oh, I diagnosed myself. Okay, have you seen your family doctor? Yeah, they don't think I have it. Okay, have you been referred to a specialist? Yeah, they don't think I have it. Have you gone anywhere else? Yeah, I went to a couple walk-in clinics. They don't think I have it either. Like... I mean, at a certain point, I mean, a second opinion is good. So if you have two people and two people are saying two different things, then I would say, uh, you know, let's maybe, yeah, let, let's figure this out. But when multiple people, professionals, have, professionals, this is their job, their this, gig. Is, this is what they're yeah. educated in, have said no, then, then now it's just anxiety. Yeah. Right. Like, and, yeah. and now you have to put anxiety to the side. I, I remember I had one patient that came in for a stomach issue, um, and it's funny enough because I've, I've I've mentioned this before, and I, I wish I could do research on it. But they had a stomach issue, and one of I believe it was their sister or a close friend mm-hmm. had died from some type of stomach cancer. Right. Um, so they're scared, and so they're scared, and absolutely that all makes sense. And they believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that their stomach pain is something horrible. And I remember sitting them, and it was this classic example. I'd been sent for all kind of tests, seen multiple doctors. Everyone's basically said no. Negative. Like we think you're, it's more stress than it is everything. 
And I sat there and I reiterated that. I said, you know, based on everything that I'm reviewing here, I'm not really seeing anything that's overly concerning. I'm, in fact, seeing that overall you seem like from a physical perspective, you're pretty healthy. But I think, you know, from a psychological perspective, you're, you're really, really worried. You're and, it makes, it and, you, and it makes sense why you're worried because, yep. I mean, you lost a loved one and, and it all kind of adds up. Um, but I don't think you have what you think you have. And she wouldn't buy it. She was just like, nope. She's like, this is how it happened with her. She was told that everything was fine. And then she ended up getting diagnosed. Wow. And, you know, and do mistakes happen? Do, do things get missed? Yeah, but the reality is we have a saying, what's common is common and what's rare is rare. And most of the times we're getting it. Like we're, we're, we're yeah. not missing these disastrous potential things. So uh, that's why I'm saying Google is good because I think it creates... You know, it was better than people having no Nothing, access to yeah. information. At least you get the vocabulary. Exactly. Yeah. At least you can kind of explain your symptoms better. You can kind of start to to figure things out. But, you know, to another extent, how much of it does it just make you anxious? Yeah. And then you start feeling things that maybe aren't even really there. I mean, I'm even guilty of it, knowing what I know, not because of Google, but when you're a healthcare professional, like there's been I times where your nose, yeah. yeah, you you get you get a symptom and right away, like my head, because that's the way I'm trained, that I I consider all possibilities. Um, and obviously when it happens, I'm even like this with the people closest to me that, you know, I jump to, well, here's the worst case scenario. And and I want to make sure it's not that, which yeah. is great for my patients because I always make sure that I rule out the most serious thing. Right. But from my own perspective, it does create an extent of anxiety for sure. You're, you're George Costanza. Is it lupus? I don't think I'm, lupus? I don't think I'm that bad, but. <laughs> Alonzo, how are you? I'm doing very well, sir. How are you doing? Good. What's going on with you? Um, for quite a few years now, every time I do like a, a simple uh, like weightlifting, uh, my left shoulder um, it's like there's a, a pain in it. Uh, long, long time after, I do X-ray, I do ultrasound, and even now it's the same thing. So I don't know what the doctor um, probably could suggest. Have you had it checked out by someone who's really good at shoulders? Is my first question. Like, or was no. it just your family doctor or your a walk-in doctor or something? Just my family doctor. Yeah. So I think next step is getting it checked out by someone who does these things all the time, whether it's a specialist, um, a medical specialist, or some other type of allied health professional, like a physiotherapist or a chiropractor who can assess it um, from a functional perspective and start to put the picture together in terms of. Does what we see on physical exam correlate with what those uh, imaging studies suggest? So uh, you got to get it checked out. And and I mean, the other thing here, too, is if you had any treatment on this shoulder? Um, I think to a degree because I, I had a car accident in 2015 and I was doing physio. Okay. And they do some work on it with some cream and some manipulation. Okay, yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, not all treatment is great treatment, so it depends. My, my question becomes, have you had good treatment? But I think, anyways, to keep this simple, I think what you need to do is you need to have it checked out properly. So give me a call. I can absolutely check this out for you properly um, and get you to the right place and, and start figuring out what the issue is and how we uh, treat it properly going forward. Well, where's your office? I, I see people out of uh, my office in Etobicoke. That's for the assessment. Uh, but then I, we've got a provider network all over Ontario, so... Depending on what you need, we can send you back to um, somebody closer to home. Alonzo, by the way, it is a one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U to make that phone call or info at paincarecanada.com as well. Russ, how are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. What's going on with you? Okay. Uh, well, I've uh, been living with pain for about twenty to twenty-five years. Uh, chronic pain since about my age, age twenty. 
uh, it got really bad. It comes back on and off, and it till the last five to ten years where it was constant. Every joint in my body, I've been to rheumatoid arthritis specialists, I've been to doctors, I've had multiple x-rays, blood work, you name it. No one could figure out what's causing it. So um, I figured it out in the last 18 months, I think, finally. I thought I'd been successful the last few years, a couple times, trying to eat healthier and change my diet and add anti-inflammatories and omega-3s, but uh, nothing seemed to work. The pain still came back. And I think now I've kept it away, and I didn't know what you thought of what I feel was causing it. Um, what I've stopped out of my diet is fruit, all fruit. Okay. Have you ever heard of that or in your practice or that causing irritation or inflammation throughout the entire body? Well, I think here's the thing. I think it depends on the person. So I think it's a dangerous thing for, I think going forward in healthcare, what we'll quickly start to realize, and this is more based on my opinion than it is good scientific research that we have right now. I think what we're going to find is that certain people do well with certain things and do very badly with other things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some people like there's, there's a lot of research around say grains, for example, uh, that cause inflammation. And, you know, some, there's people out there that that's all they eat. If they're vegetarian, they have grain, they have grains and they have no pain whatsoever. So they'll swear that, no, it's, it's not the grains. It's actually, it's the meat and it's right. the, yeah. the protein. And then there's other people out there that'll say, no, 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 I cut out all my grains. Um, and I just do protein and some simple vegetables and, and I'm, and that's what does it for me. And then there's other people that say, no, my, mine was, I had to cut out dairy. What I'm trying to get at is if you cut out fruit and you think that it's working for you, I think that that's great. I think you should continue doing what you think works for you in terms of can we make, you know, it's a very dangerous thing when we, when these things spread, right? Because then everyone jumps on a, yep. on a wagon, right? Where it's like, yeah. yeah, stop eating fruit, right? Like, don't eat fruit. It's bad for you. It causes all this stuff. And then the reality is it's not. I, I just think, number one, the, the basic fact is it's all about moderation. And then the yep. second fact is that, some people just don't react with certain things, and that might be something that is perceived to be extremely healthy, like fruit. But maybe yeah. something to do with your 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 genetic predisposition. It just doesn't jive well. Um, right. And so, you know, do I think that it has some credit that it's made you better? Yeah, I think if it's made you better, that's all that really matters. Sometimes, is it placebo? Is the thought that you eliminating fruit is the reason that you feel better? Yeah, maybe. Is it sometimes people get drastic changes when they do something and then eventually it comes back? That's also a possibility, right? So, um, you know, I, I think it's good that you're trying things to try to manage it and trying to figure it out. Um, and I think if it works for you, then more power to you and continue down that line. Um, but, you know, is it something that I've seen that I can say generally to the population? A blanket approach. Hey, you. if you've yeah, got not pain. everyone. I, no. I understand fruit. Yeah, sometimes. No, yeah, no, but I. I've, for everyone, me, it might be just a sensitivity and that's no issue. Um, my, my issue is now I've had a newborn in the last year. I got a six month old. Yeah. And I didn't know Like I might've figured it out for myself. Maybe my genetic makeup, maybe fruit is just one of my things that causes this problem. And I've lived with it through my whole life. Mm -hmm. Now I've solved it possibly. And I seem to have solved it. So, um, how, um, thorough should I be in finding out what is the root cause? Could it be a symptom of something bigger? If fruit is a sensitivity, could it be genetic? And could my son be affected by the same sensitivities and because I don't want him to suffer, I don't want to Pot cause yeah, I mean, about his body and cause damage. I probably damage my own organs and internal organs over yeah, 25 so, years so, of inflammation. Russ, we're so. going to go to break. Just hang on the phone and we'll continue the convo. Still a few minutes to call in. If you have questions yourself, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
11.54, outside the show, uh, one 855 Dr. Lou, and uh, info at paincarecanada.com. Russ will just wrap it up with you, so there you go. That's uh, that's what Russ thinks. Fruit. It's all about the fruit. Yeah, I, well, I don't think, I think Russ is saying specifically for him, him. he believes that, and now mm-hmm. he's asking the question that, is there potentially a genetic predisposition to this? I think, I mean, if you have, you said he's a newborn? Um, yes, yeah. seven months now. Yeah, so I, I would say just go... I think when it comes to kids, just go normal, like just give them whatever it is that they need. Maybe later on in life, if things you can start, you know, eliminating things and trying things uh, depending on symptoms. But I don't know. It's going to be hard, obviously, in the absence of like, uh, you know, doing genetic testing to figure all this stuff out. Uh, yep. But if if he's he or she, I'm, I don't know what it's a little, yeah, it's a little young boy. Yeah. yeah, little boy. If he's not got issues, then I don't think you should be eliminating certain things from the diet. I also think in kids, when you're just eliminating things, you're also not exposing them to it. And when yep. you're not exposing them to it, that may create more of a sensitivity. Like there's really good research to show that kids that grow up around animals, like sometimes people like freak out thinking like, Oh, my kid can't grow yeah. up around pets and things like that because yeah. of all this. It actually helps to build their immune system. So, and, oh, yeah. and everything, and and that research just highlights that all of, everything does that equally. So, the things that you eat. So, if you don't, you know, expose him to fruit now, well, I'll tell you who will for sure have a sensitivity one day, right? Um, so, yeah. I would just say expose him to as many things as possible. And if there's symptoms associated with those exposures, then maybe is where you may want to uh, tailor the approach. And is there allergy specialists? Like, do you think yeah. for like a oh, yeah. food allergy, if I wanted yeah. to get tested to yeah. check if I'm, if I'm correct? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's ways to do it. I mean, the tests aren't like 100% sensitive. And but they'll test you on a yeah, bunch but, of stuff, right? Yeah, but they can test you on a bunch of stuff. The test, the way they test for that stuff is still, it's a little bit, you know, how do I put this? Like, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Is, is I guess what I'm trying to say, but yeah, give me a call. We can definitely coordinate that type of stuff too. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U Russ is the number you want to call. Uh, Sarah, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Couple minutes to go. What's going on with you? So I was in an accident, um, just basically about two years ago, and had some minor injuries: neck, shoulder, back, arm. So I'm continuously having pain in the neck, lower back, and the arm, shoulder. But I'm also getting a lot of numbness, coldness. Less loss of feeling, tingling, and I'm just wondering. I've been through MRIs, tests, X-rays, you name it, and one doctor said, "Oh, it's most definitely uh, a pinched nerve, but we can't see it visually." Right. So I'm kind of stuck and frustrated because no one kind of will believe me because it's not documented. Okay, so I mean, could something be? Could there be something that's not seen on imaging? Yes, absolutely. Um, that's one person's opinion. I think getting multiple opinions around that is probably important, especially if it's something that isn't seen on uh-huh. on that. So, kind, what what's the question then? Like, what like, just can you clarify your, what your question is? Sorry, what do I do for it going forward? Because no one will for treat the it symptoms. They can't see. Yeah. Like, so what are you doing for treatment right now? Um, I I have I've gone for quite a bit of physiotherapy, mm-hmm. um, and it's still really not doing much at all right um and pain wise i'm the tingling and numbness comes and goes you know depending on what activity i'm doing with my arm or my neck um and no one's really kind of found the root of how to go about fixing it or take away the pain and the numbing like so i I just Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm at a roadblock 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're doing something and it's not working, I would say that's usually like, you know, things that don't work shouldn't continue to be done, I think, is, is number one. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing physiotherapy. It maybe just means you should be doing different types right. of physiotherapy. Right. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the, the other thing that's important to consider here is if you're looking for this all to completely disappear, that may not even be realistic. Um, right. Because sometimes when there's an injury, it's more about managing and how do you get it to to a certain point. So that that is another conversation um, uh -huh. that you have to have with somebody about like, you know, is this something that may be there forever, but how do we manage it? So, I, I mean, the simplest answer here is is give me a call. I We can absolutely assess you, go through everything, kind of figure out, um, you know, what your options are and what the reality of the situation is. Because I think, you know, it's a very, very important thing. I, I was at... Um, I won't say where I was, but I was. It was a healthcare place, and I saw a, a clinic, and I remember seeing a, a, like a, a sign there that, and it was. Some, I don't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines of like, you know, come here so that we can help uh, heal and cure you. Wow. Um, and it's kind of like you know those things. You you need to be realistic with yeah. people. You need to. It's so important to be realistic and and give people the reality of what their circumstances are. Not you don't always fully heal. It's about management, pain management. That's what it is. That's what we deal with. Um, if if it so happens that you're cured, that's great. But we're not going to sell that because it's often not the truth. We're here to help manage the symptoms and so that you can live your life without it affecting your life. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com is the contact. Till next time, Dr. Pain Show, Global News Radio 640 Toronto.